On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we'll be talking about what week one said to us in college. Like, what do we think about Ohio State now? Do we still see value on them? And what teams do we think look good going into week two? In the NFL, we're going to identify a long shot that you might want to put some money on. We'll be looking at some value in week one lines. We'll also be talking about some myths, the sharp action, following sharp action, following the money. What does all of this mean and what does it mean for you and making your bets? And then finally, we'll be talking about the super contest picks, the uh, Westgate super contest picks, and we'll be talking about our survivor picks for week one. As always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app, which is available on the iTunes store. It's the best app to track your picks, to see updated lines, to see great content about sports betting, and also to track your super contest picks. So with that, let's go. Welcome to episode three of the Bet the Process podcast. I'm Jeff Ma, former ESPN predictive analytics expert with Rufus Peabody, another former ESPN predictive analytics expert, here today to talk to you a little bit about analytics, sports betting, and what to look for in week one of the NFL season. So let's get started with what we always start with this week in futures. Let's recap first. Uh, as to the college last week, we talked a little bit about uh, Ohio State and how we thought there was some value on them to win the national championship at plus 600. Um, uh, sorry, they were our market or, or, or really Rufus's ratings had them closer to plus 300. So we saw some value there. After week one, do you see any big changes in your college ratings? You know, I do. I, I had them at plus 382 last week. And Ohio State improves to plus 315 due to their uh, convincing victory against Indiana. I know so that's a lot interesting of people because I think the casual person would have seen like that first half where they were down and weren't playing very well. And then obviously they had that dominant second half. But your numbers are actually saying that the, your perception of them has improved, huh? Uh, certainly, there is that narrative um, that they basically pulled away late and weren't that good. Uh, they were lucky in the turnover battle, winning it three nothing. But they really dominated on the ground with a total rushing yard advantage of two hundred ninety two to seventeen, and that was five point seven to zero point six yards per rush advantage. And Indiana is expected to be a pretty legitimate team. I mean, they're not a top team or anything like that. It's not Florida State, but Ohio State also was on the road, so you got to factor that in. And uh, they actually had the second best performance overall, according to the Massey Peabody weekly grades. So, yeah, they, they improve. Alabama also moves up. They were plus 250 last week. They're up to plus 232. Beating Florida State's good, A, because they get that win, and that's one of the tough games on their schedule. But they also played very well. They were uh, the fifth-rated. Uh, they had the fifth-rated performance. And, Jeff, I think this is a similar game, too. It was a game that was a lot closer uh, for most of the game. But Alabama pulled away. They had some special team, big plays in the special teams game. But I think the the, the common thread between those two is that um, was the sort of uh, being able to. Well, Alabama was able to stop the run as well. And I think 
um, running and being able to stop the run actually are more important in the college game than in the NFL game because it really says a lot about how physical you are as a team, which matters more uh, as the season progresses. Got it. And now on Massey Peabody, your uh, website, you guys actually are doing these sort of college football grades. And so you're, what you're doing is, is rating how the performances were for the week, um, sort of absent of what the strength of competition was. And your top five there were LSU, Ohio State, Penn State, Clemson, and Alabama. So certainly Clemson is interesting as they um, continue to probably be a little bit underrated in that as a national championship team losing to Sean Watson, whatnot, but still um, performing at a very elite level. So tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing there. So, So we control for the expected strength of the opponent as well as uh, home field advantage and basically look at these stats that are predictive. Um, so basically the fundamental stats that are predictive of success in future games. So rather than explaining how a team actually did, we want to use the stats. We're basically using our, our stats uh, that we use to predict future games and weighting them by their predictive ability. So turnovers are going to matter less than, than they do in terms of actually determining the outcome of a game. And uh, no, it's interesting. It's really a, a useful framework, I think, to look through and, and, compare performances against different teams. I mean, because obviously Penn, you know, oh, Penn State playing Akron or Clemson playing Kent State, you're expecting a blowout, whereas Alabama against a Florida State, you're expecting a much closer game. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool lens, and I think it, it, it can create some interesting conversations too. Are there any ones that you looked at from last week that sort of stick out? I mean, I guess one, one that's interesting, obviously, is SC. Uh, seemingly struggled against Western Michigan. You really guys did. had them rated 23rd, so I don't think that's just seemingly struggled. Um, UCLA um, was pretty far down that list. Obviously, they they came back and and pulled one out of their proverbial butts. Um, yeah, Rice I mean, USC, wasn't even the worst performance. That's that's surprising that Rice wasn't one of the worst performance. I mean, wasn't the worst performance. Stanford, I think Stanford was good. I think that's what it came down to. They really dominated across the board, um, but you know Rice still got what was it um, nine? Or Rice still got three point eight yards per play and a thirty two percent play success rate. I mean you have teams with far far lower against far better or against better competition too. Got it. All right. Well, that's that's a good segue into some of this week's games. Now we you talked we talked a little bit about Clemson. Um, Auburn obviously is is going to Clemson in their four and a half point. Uh, underdog, uh, what do your numbers say there? My numbers have Clemson as a seven-point favorite. Clemson had the fourth-best performance last week, and and Auburn, despite the forty-one to seven win, um, and they actually dropped a little bit in our ratings. It was the thirteenth-best performance, so I, that's not really enough value for me there. I, I think I was higher on Clemson than Auburn going into the year, relative perception, because my model doesn't really know that Deshaun Watson was the standout quarterback he was. And what, what about think, though, Jeff? We just talked about. Oh, I mean, I, th- I, I actually kind of like Auburn. Um, this is not, you know, I, I like Auburn's defense. Um, I like uh, how good their defense was last year. Clearly, um, it's hard to know how good the new quarterback is for them and and how good he will be. Um, but I don't really see a ton of value there because certainly I, I agree with you. Like Clemson's performance um, and even their ratings going into this year were were probably higher than than Auburn. So with you know with home field and whatnot you would think that that line is is pretty close to what it should be um about stanford uh going to sc uh g- 
getting six points. You say Stanford had one of the best performances last week. Uh, USC was lackluster. What what do your numbers say there? They did, and this is one of the games I'm showing with the most value on the board this week. I think Stanford should actually be a tenth of a point favorite, so basically a pick them, and you're getting the six points. Yeah, Stanford had the eighth best performance last week. They averaged almost 10 yards of play and 60% uh, play success, whereas USC, um, they were 7 for 11 on third downs. That's not really sustainable, even if they are fairly short range. And their defense really struggled against the run. They allowed five, yard, uh, five and a half yards per rush and 263 uh, rushing yards. Yeah. And, and as then, I said, rushing matter does matter it more in the college football game than it does in NFL. Yeah, I mean, the talk, obviously, after last week is that Stanford's O-line is back. Obviously, it's it's hard to, to know after you know you play a, a team like Rice, but um, it'll be interesting. It, seems, it definitely seems like there's value there. I know I heard on the uh, Behind the Bets College Edition podcast, they were saying that FPI had this um, game ranked pretty close to even, so it sounds like you're pretty in line with FPI. Yeah, we are on that one. Okay, and then finally, uh, Oklahoma going into Ohio State. Ohio State's sort of been uh, a, lo- a topic of much conversation on our this podcast early on. Oklahoma's getting 7.5 points right now. Um, what do you look at there? You know, I like them there. I think they should be getting uh, 12 points. It's really hard to criticize a team like Oklahoma for, I mean, they were really good. Um, if you look at their stats last week, they averaged almost 14 yards per pass, um, and they had a play success rate of 67%. So I feel like I can't really knock them, but they were not as good in the running game. And the thing is, they didn't run the ball that much because they didn't, like, if you're passing that well, why would you? But they did give up uh, over five yards per rush to UTEP, and UTEP only had like 70-something yards rushing total, so there weren't that many rushes. But you know, I'm looking at my rating uh, of that game and trying to figure out why I do have Oklahoma at uh, only the 16th best performance when they clearly dominated, and um, and that's why. And yeah. So you're saying so basically they're getting weighed down by UTEP's poor performance almost. I think Oklahoma's getting weighed down by the fact that they didn't do a lot running the ball or um, against the run in that game. And right. despite the fact that there weren't a lot of rushing plays, like Oklahoma only ran for five, adjusting for home field advantage, five point, and for you know garbage time, they were only 5.1 yards per rush and they gave up 5.2 to UTEP. So, you know, they did throw for 13.7 yards per pass. These are adjusted numbers, by the way. These aren't going to be like what the stats show, but. Um, and they only gave up 3.4, though. So they were dominant in the passing game, but not in the running game. So to recap this, you basically don't see very much value in Auburn-Clemson, but you like Stanford getting six, and you actually like Ohio State only giving seven and a half. Exactly. Okay. Let's move on to the NFL. Um, NFL week one, excitement in the air. Uh, The top four teams in terms of futures are – the Pats uh, at around plus 300, the Steelers at around plus 800, the Seahawks at around plus 800, and the Packers at around 10 to 1. Do you see any value in any of those numbers? No, I really don't, actually. Is uh, Do you see any value on any? Well, I guess, I guess do you agree with those numbers would be another interesting thing. Do you agree that those are the top four teams in that order? No, I, I definitely disagree there. I think that, I mean, the pa- Patriots are obviously number one, um, but what was the second team you said? The Steelers. Yeah, I, I'm a lot lower on the Steelers than most people. Who do you I'm, have as the number two rated team? Actually, Rufus, do those numbers agree with what your numbers are? Do, uh, do you have those as the top four teams? 
Yeah, I mean, New England's obviously number one on everybody's list, but I don't think they're as high as the market does. Pittsburgh, I don't think should be nearly that high. I have them only at 17 to 1. Uh, the second best team I have there, it looks like, is Seattle at a little under 10 to 1 odds, followed by Atlanta, 17 and a half to 1. And I'll tell you a big, um, actually, Green Bay is ahead of them at 15.3 to 1. But one, one surprise team I have that I really like is Cincinnati at about 19 to 1, which seems like way high, doesn't it? Um, I don't know. Like Cincinnati always seems like a team the the market doesn't like very much, and they always seem to be pretty reasonable. Um, but they're like you know, a board have, team, right? Exactly. They're one of those teams that like it's like back in the days when you used to do fantasy and you used to you know get those um, performers that were steady but not very exciting, like a Jonathan Stewart or something like that. You know that the, these the, the guys that are just. You know, the, the, they'll be there for you, but they're not going to have that tremendous upside. And certainly, like, the the Red Rocket and Martin Lewis, Marvin Lewis or whatever his name is, they 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 never instill excitement when you see them come into the playoffs. So they, they probably um, Andy, do get depressed a bit by the market. Yeah, and Andy Dalton in the playoffs has been like a nothing burger repeatedly. <laughs> but I, yeah. I think it's, a, it's, it's like a team like the Chargers, who I feel like, you know, they can – you just never see them actually winning a Super Bowl. They have a good quarterback in Phillip Rivers, just like the Bengals have a good quarterback in Andy Dalton. But I don't know. It, it, it just seems hard to envision them ever making a run. Well, and you also have like the pack, the you know, the Patriots being so, you know, bet up by the market that obviously that's going to depress other people in the AFC. I mean, just from your listing, you have the, you know, the Patriots and then you have what, three NFC teams or two NFC, yeah, three NFC teams. You have Seahawks, right. Green Bay. And and that's probably a lot of it is because the, you know, coming out of the side what the Patriots are is a problem. Uh, in terms of it like is, long, but, sorry. No, it, it is. But I actually have, uh, you know, I have Cincinnati as the favorite in the AFC North. Believe it or not, even though they have less of a chance of winning the Super Bowl, I think they are the. I have them at more projected wins and, and a greater chance of winning that division. So then you would think that that would be good value. Um, in the futures for them to win the North potentially what do you have uh, numbers for that or I don't have that in front of me, but I can almost guarantee there's good value there. Yeah. Let me, let I me think look there's great up. value on them to win the Super Bowl as well. Interesting. I'm not saying know. it's going to happen, but I'm saying there's a 5% chance I'd, it does. I think I'd book that if I were, <laughs> if I were on the other side, what would you book it at? I don't know. I'm looking. <laughs> I'd look at it whatever the uh, whatever the real line is here. Of course, you'd look uh, at my true price because, but then there's no value for me. Let's see here. Okay, so the AFC North, the numbers I have: the Steelers are minus two eighty, the Bengals are plus three eighty three. Yeah. See, I, I think that they should. I have the Bengals at thirty eight point six percent. So, you know, like plus one sixty ish. Wow, that's a lot of value. That's a ton of value, and. You know, I don't think that means my number is exactly correct. Uh, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with the model. The market obviously should bear have, have some you know weight, some consideration as well. But I do think that there there definitely is value there. All right, and the Bengals to win the Super Bowl are seventy to one. Yeah, I like them at twenty to one. <laughs> How about we meet in the middle? I'll give you forty to one. Why would I take that if I can get it at seventy to one? Are you putting it down at seventy to one? Uh, probably. <laughs> I can wait for you if you want to put it in real time. <laughs> you are out of the country, so um, it's sure it's fine. 
All right. Yeah, but then, well, I, then, then I'll lose all that. I'll lose the tab. There's, I have way too many tabs open. <laughs> the life of Rufus Peabody. Okay, so back to uh, the futures. We talked about long shots. It sounds like maybe the Bengals are an interesting long shot for you. Uh, let's go back to Tennessee. Um, Tennessee has been sort of this darling. They've become this darling. I don't know if you listen to any of the other podcasts, but on any of the podcasts where they have this concept of, you know, sharp money or something like that, they've talked a lot about this, the game that we talked about two weeks ago, which is Tennessee and the Raiders, which two weeks ago on the pod we were talking about and we saw that line was even. You said you like Tennessee and, and it came out of this conversation that generally – uh, the Raiders are uh, overrated because they're moving to Vegas. They were overrated last year. They won a lot of close games last year. Um, we don't think that's predictive of going forward. We think that's actually they were actually an overrated team last year. Um, people like David Carr getting tremendous amount of pub for them. So, you know, that line has now moved to Tennessee in some locations is giving three with some extra juice on on the favorite. Um, so that's a significant line move against the popular team um, indicating that there's a lot of sharp money on Tennessee is Tennessee an underrated team to you, or is this just people betting uh, like the sharp people betting against Oklahoma, o- Oakland? That's a good question. Um, you know, I'd like to think it's the sharp people, um, well, betting against Oakland, but I, I do think people like Tennessee maybe a little more than I do. You know, I haven't run my I haven't run the sim for futures since Andrew Luck was ruled out. But before that, I had Tennessee at thirty-eight to one to win the Super Bowl, and and I have I have a feeling. I mean, I don't know how long Luck's going to be out, but if it's any significant amount of time, it's that that'll change. I mean, that changes the odds a lot there. Uh, but you know, I, you know, Tennessee is an interesting team because I think going into last season, nobody really expected much of them at all. I think uh, the general consensus was they picked the wrong coach for their for the quarterback, but and they were trying to play a game that was you know, maybe good a few decades ago, but but in today's NFL, you know, but here they are. Well, there, you know, you look at actually even fantasy drafts. Marriott has been going pretty high. He's, there's a lot of people that are high on Tennessee generally. They're expecting Marriott to sort of really turn the corner and, and maybe be that one of the next great quarterbacks. Um, I, I'd say in the sharp, like, books, the – you know, Tennessee is now the favorite to win the AFC South at plus 127 is what I'm seeing them on. And on Chris and plus 159 is what the Texans are. Um, the Colts are close to six to one. The Colts are equal with the Jaguars at six to one. So you wow. can tell <laughs> that in itself should tell you like what people are thinking about the Colts and, and Andrew Luck's prognosis for this season. Well, and what Scott Tolzien brings to the table. But I still think I, th- I still think those odds are, are too low for. I mean, I don't know. I think that the the market is underestimating the degree in uncertainty. Yeah. You know, I, I had before this as I you know these numbers don't make any sense anymore. But before the injury, I had Indy at thirty six percent, Tennessee thirty two percent, Houston seventeen percent, and Jacksonville fifteen percent. No team justified like no team was better than what whatever thirty six percent is. Yeah, well, I think the market is going to tend to overreact, and I, I think we're seeing that certainly um, another team that we've identified in this pod as being a bit overrated by the market is is the Steelers, clearly. Um, you know, rated as the number two uh, team in the NFL, basically by the futures, that's that's kind of crazy. Um, that, that seems 
too much. Um, I know that last year, even going into last year, people felt that way. And, you know, obviously getting Martavis Bryan and back and whatnot, that this is, this is a team in, in having what a full season of Le'Veon Bell. Um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, and I guess like last year, their defense overperformed what people thought they would. So this is probably all what's what's weighing into people's minds. But your numbers are just saying that's that's a little bit a little bit uh, overrated, correct? Right. And I, th- I think in general, teams that have the great fantasy players, the Le'Veon Bells, the I mean, uh, Antonio Browns, the Martavis Bryant's, the you know, wide receivers and running backs that are great, um, may be a little overvalued due to the fact that those are the big names that get all the exposure and. My research has shown that running back and wide receiver are the two most replaceable positions in the NFL. I should say, uh, Cade Massey and my research have shown that. He was Cade involved. being your partner who is a professor at Wharton School of Business and uh, one of the sharpest minds, I think, who delves between you know business analytics and sports analytics. And yeah, Cade's phenomenal. A great he, guy. he advised my senior thesis at Yale many years ago. Yeah, no, Cade is, Cade is a really good guy. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, to Mythbusters or Faderade. You know, Faderade is where we fade and talk about a, a popular tout and what he's been saying. And um, I'm kind of modifying this session to also be a little bit about Mythbusters, where we can kind of talk a little bit generic, you know, gen- generally about a myth that people talk about with sports betting. And what I want to talk about today is is a little bit um, a good segue from that Titans game where. You're seeing this big line move, or, and you need to make sense of that line move. And there are people that bet simply line moves, and there are people that talk simply about line moves and about looking at the percentage of money. You know, Sports Insights is a website that talks a lot about the percentage of money that's on certain games. And, and this, this whole idea of percentage of money, percentage of tickets, all that kind of stuff, it's been getting a lot of, I would say, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about it. A lot more people are talking about it than we're talking about it two, three years ago. Does this mean anything to you when you look at a move like the Titans move? What does it mean to you? I don't know. I think it's an oversimplification to sort of just look at where the money is, especially this early. I think a lot of the sharp guys, a lot of the the whales out there, the big betters, the Billy Walters of the world, sort of know this and try to set up um, set up a, a good bet. So I think sometimes you can get moves that are going the wrong way and you know people might follow along. Yeah, I mean like they, if, yeah. if you if you listen to again like when we when we do this sort of like uh, sec, session section we always seem to come into this idea of like what did Chad say? So you know Chad Millman obviously uh-huh. uh, behind the bets host um, one of the probably most influential people in terms of getting sports betting into the mainstream. Um, but he was talking a bit about, I think this week, about how when 80% of the money is on a home, sorry, a road favorite, they should take the home dog and things like that. Um, do things like that the money mean anything is on to a you? Road. 80% of the money on the road favorite, you take the road, the home dog. I mean, what what's the logic there? He's just, that's just the logic. You know, he's, he's seen it. He's, he's basically it's saying that there's a lot of sharp money on, I, I mean, you'd have to listen to his podcast to fully understand the lack of logic that's going on there. But generally he's always looking for these like pseudo, what I would call pseudo analytical narratives, uh, of it's like of the Bill Simmons better. rules, right? Yeah. It's, 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 I would say it's like for Chad, like Chad knows enough to be dangerous 
but not enough to really use analytics to actually win at sports betting because he doesn't really bet. So he doesn't really, and this is, this is not a, you know, indictment on Chad because Chad is not a sports better. Chad no, he's is not a better. He's a writer. He's an editor. Of, yeah. He's the editor of ESPN basically of the he's website very good at what he of does. The magazine. And he's, yeah, he's great at what he does. He's great at getting good hosts, but he's not a better. Um, but unfortunately he gives betting advice on um, a podcast and he does say things like, you know, he looks at like, um, I think this week he, you know, he talks a lot about these idea of, of he, today he this week actually he talked about short favorites, short home favorites being good bets also. So it's just this sort of idea like that there are certain subsections of of both line moves and where the money is. And what you're saying to me is like you don't care about any of that. You don't like look at any tea leaves. I mean, sure, you know, I'm sure there are trends that are real. Sometimes, but picking them out it can be difficult, and I just like sticking with my numbers. I think sometimes knowing not knowing too much can be dangerous because you don't know what you don't know. Do you? Is there a time sense. where, let's say that you, uh, your line or your numbers are way off from what the market is, you make a bet, and then you see the numbers move even further away from what your number is, i.e., like the market further disagrees with you have you ever seen that and, and felt like oh oh crap that's 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 a bad sign oh, of course that's happened i mean i think that's happened to everybody at some point the market right. isn't always going to move with you it's it's not like i have like you know the sports almanac from back to the future yeah and honestly this is highlighting one of the reasons that you're a good sports better because you care about the market, but you don't really let it influence you more than, say, making sure that that type of stuff may be incorporated into your model. You do not react to one-off or anecdotal type incidents that may emotionally influence your decision-making going forward. You're just kind of numb to it. And I think that's an underrated you know, attribute for, for why... Um, you need to what you need to be to be successful at sports betting. You need to be numb to these sort of narratives and anecdotes, and and that's kind of why I think these types of uh, you know this idea of following sharp action. The problem is if you follow sharp action, you're not getting the best number, and if you're not getting the best number, you're never going to win at sports betting. No, you're right. You're entirely right there. So, I, I, but I, I'll say so. I think that. If I if I went through a whole football season and I wasn't beating the closing line, then I would be worried. Interesting. It's not gonna happen every game, but I, I do want the I think over a small sample, or I mean, you don't want to conclude anything on a too small sample, but over a small sample, you know, I, I'd look more at the way the market moves towards my my number, um, whether it moves towards it or against it, than I would look at the win loss. Yeah, that's what a lot of people say too, because it's a good way to very quickly get some read on on whether your model is is good or not. Is to to see how it's doing against the closing line, if it's beating the closing line or not. And you know, to, basically, that just means like when you make your bet, when the game actually goes off, is that line um, closer? Is that line? Did you did you beat what that line moved to? Essentially, um, right. So basically, that, I mean, like if if I if I bet on Tennessee at pick, and because I had it minus three. And it closes minus three, then the market moved hard towards me. But what's interesting, I think, is that in the last few years, these line moves have not been nearly as predictive as they were in the past. And I, I haven't, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I have looked at that, I think, last season at some 
point. I think that they put, I was looking at this today, they put the opening line, midweek line, and adjusted line, I don't know what that means, in there. This is called the prediction tracker. And the best system last week uh, for college football was the opening line. The, the number one, there was number one out of 53 systems. Number eight was, was the midweek line. And number 16 was the updated line, which basically says, you know, last week the line moves went the wrong way based on the result, at least. That's interesting. I mean, that's, I guess that's that good for the books, right? Yeah, I guess so. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about like line moves generally? So the other thing that obviously influences line moves are, are injuries um, and injuries at sort of these, these high profile positions. Um, you think often, you know, from what you said earlier, you think often those can be overrated, those line moves? Well, yeah, I, I think they're overrated for the skill position players, the guys that touch the ball, whereas I think they're underrated for offensive linemen and guys that sort of fly under the radar in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, there was an article way back. This is probably 20, 25 years ago. I remember reading when I first got into this whole concept of sports betting, um, and they talked about the the most important position really for for sports betting to be the center uh, because of how influential they were um, on every play, touching every play, but how underrated uh, they tended to be from like a public optics standpoint. That makes a ton of sense. I agree. I haven't looked at the different positions on the offensive line, but I would think the center and the tackles obviously would would be more important. And but I, I have shown that, the replacement value of an offensive lineman is multiple times higher than wide receiver and running back. All right. Well, let's move uh, into our Hilton contest picks of the week now, or sorry, the super contest. I guess it's not the Hilton anymore. It's the Westgate. Westgate. That just shows you, that just shows you how old I am. I, I, I still uh, call it the Hilton most of the time. All right. Yeah. So the Westgate and, and, uh, super contest for those of you guys that don't know, it's the you know World Series of Poker for sports betting. Um, it gets some criticism because the lines because that they use. Steve won it twice. Sorry. What's that? Is that because Steve Fesick won it twice? Well, he won it when there was like twelve people in it, right? I mean, That's he didn't true. win it when there was like millions of people in it or how many thousands of people in it. So, um, just taking Dr. Bob's picks the year Dr. Bob did really well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I think people give it crap because of how stale the lines can be um, and how they don't change. And so they, they, they don't make any sense. And I think there's a pretty big, uh, the, you know, the Westgate takes a pretty big cut out of uh, the prize money. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to do this every week for entertainment purposes and for, you know, to have sort of this, this vehicle to talk about. Obviously, um, people can take themselves too seriously, but they, those guys, you know, um, do a good job over there, Cornegay and, and whatnot on um, you know running this and and certainly it's great for sports betting it gives it a higher profile so we're gonna do our best to support this um, and we're gonna put in uh, five picks each week you're gonna put in two I'm gonna put in two and then one we're gonna sort of mutually agree upon so your picks this week week are I believe uh, Chicago at six and a half is that correct I'm taking everything unglamorous. You know, I, I'm on this. this remote. I'm on this remote year program. I'm in Croatia right now, and I was uh, someone. You know, I was talking with some people about the games this weekend, and they were like, "Someone was telling me, uh, you know, guy who's a sports fan follows football pretty well. He was like, Atlanta, they're going to win by like 21. Like he's like, they'll win by at least 17. So, yeah, I'm on Chicago plus seven. Okay, so is, is that, no, is that the, it's it's six and a half six here. And a half. I'm on it plus six and a half. Okay, you know, so I, six I and a half. Now points. I'm putting this into the sports action 
website where you can track your contest picks each week. Um, sports action available on the App Store. So Chicago plus six and a half, and then you have um, you wanted the yes. Jets at eight and a half. Is that right? Sorry. Sorry? Yeah, Jets yeah. at eight, and a half, right? Mm-hmm. The Jets plus eight and a half. I make it plus five point three. Okay, I am going to take Jacksonville plus five uh, at Houston. I'm a fan of that as well. And I am going to take the San Francisco 49ers, my home team, not my favorite team, but my home team, at plus five and a half. Um, I like what this is not analytics based. This is I like what they're doing there. I like um, Shanahan in his first game there. I think that they have had some talent the last couple of years more than people realize and just haven't had the coaching to actually do anything with that. And I think Shanahan's going to make a big difference there. And then, so we need to have that. That was my totally non-analytics narrative based, uh, you know, what we'll call the, uh, the square side way of looking at things. Um, and then we need a, a fifth pick Rufus. You said that you, uh, like, you lean on new Orleans at plus three, you lean on, um, Let's see. You lean on where else do you lean? I, I, I lean on the Chargers. I must call them San Diego. The Chargers at plus three. Two. Right. I mean, I make those lines one point seven, one point six, and one point seven though. So like three and a half, and I think the market's between three and three and a half on both of those, or at least it was this morning when I blogged the Massey Peabody picks. And by this morning, I mean this morning in Croatia. But you know, the one the one I like more is the Browns. I think. Humble brag. What's the Humble number brag. there? Uh, we could go with Cincinnati against Baltimore. What do you make that? That's Cincinnati, your your kind of darling pick. Yeah, no, minus three point four. That's so not much actually, what, well, we, let's. I say what we go with Cleveland. What, what, what's I, the what's that Cleveland number? Eight and a half. Yeah, I make that six point four. So that's that's one that I would like. But yeah, but how about how about we go with Denver and the sorry the Chargers because it's a Monday night game. And it's the last game of the night, and plus three. Um, I like that. Yeah, let's do. Char- I'm down with the Chargers there. All right, we'll take the Chargers at plus three. So to recap, our picks are the Chargers plus three, the Niners plus five and a half, the Jets plus eight and a half, Jacksonville plus five, and the Bears plus six and a half. So I'm saving those in the Sports Action app. It shows up in Week One. This is really cool. Nice interface. Um, and we're done. And now, finally, moving on wait, to our survivor picks for the week. Wait, but what happens if everybody copies our picks? Uh, well, we could all be tied for first. I'd be fine That'd being be tied cool. for first. Hey, after after all of our talk about favorites Evolution. and underdogs, we ended up taking five underdogs. You know, underdogs early in the season, I feel like I'm like predominantly betting. I mean, I'm predominantly betting underdogs early in the season. It, yeah. And I want to. I don't know. I wish I had a few favorites there, but I just think that people are think that the, a few teams are just going to be so so bad, and and you know maybe it's Massey Peabody not accounting for personnel changes, and I'm sure that's a big part of it. But I don't know. I think people are too certain, too too confident in their assessments of teams going into the season when they haven't played a real game. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's just like what we going back to like when we're looking at those futures in the AFC North. You know, you you feel like everyone should be closer to eight and eight than you know, 11 and five. Yeah. Uh, all right, fine. Let's go to survivor survivor. You and I have talked about it 
two weeks in a row. This is our third week. Hopefully, this is the week that some people might listen to our pod. Um, uh-huh. What we've talked about in terms of survivor picks is that there really are three things that you should think about when making your survivor pick. Obviously, before you even do those, you should know how big your pool is. If it's a bigger pool, you want to take some more chances. If it's a smaller pool, you don't want to take as many chances. But you want to look at what the overall win percentage is um, for a certain team. In other words, what their probability of winning is. And you can look at that by the point spread or the money line. You want to look at what their overall popularity is. And um, there's a great website called survivorgrid.com that you can actually go and and look at a lot of this stuff. Um, And then you want to look at what their future value is, like how much value do they have going forward? Who are they going to play going forward um, that are good, that sorry, that are bad, um, that you might want to use them later on. And if you listen to like the mainstream media, like guy like Doug Kazarian, he will tell you that the goal is to survive. Doug, that is not true. Your goal is to win the pool. Just win, baby. You know, just win. Well, I mean, you don't win the whole thing. You want to win I mean, the whole maybe thing. Maybe your goal is to like actually like survive to like week eight, so you have something to cheer for. And I have no problem with that. I think there is a tremendous disappointment that happens to me when I fall out of my survivor pool. Like it's disproportionate to the amount of money that I put in there. I, I hate being out of my survivor pool. So I understand the idea of just surviving, but really the goal should be to win these things. And so you don't want to just survive. Um, so this week, the, the some of the top um, teams that you could look at are um, New England, you know, obviously tonight, um, but most people probably won't pick that because they won't be ready to put their pick in. Buffalo um, hosting the Jets. The Jets are obviously looking like potentially one of the worst teams in the league this year. Uh, Pittsburgh at Cleveland, Atlanta at Chicago, um, Houston hosting Jacksonville. These are probably the top five choices that people have. Uh, My choice this week is going to be Buffalo. It is a popular pick, which isn't maybe the best way to look at this, but Buffalo has very little future value going forward. And they have a high safety rating, so I'm taking Buffalo um, against the Jets. And Rufus, you are taking. Well, first off, I've actually never played in a survivor pool, just like I don't play daily fantasy, and I'm awful at fantasy sports in general because I don't devote enough time, according to my fantasy football league mates. If but... I enter you into a survivor pool, will you PayPal me fifty dollars for the pool, and then will you actually enter your picks? Sure, I'll do it. All right. But I don't. I definitely. I don't want to be on Buffalo. I mean. I make that line 5.3. Like, why am I going to take a team that is, I think, un- or overvalued by the market? The problem is all the teams I like basically are. See, that's an interesting. That's I'm actually gonna, an interesting. I'm go, what about like Cincinnati? I, I kind of want to go with a small favorite. Like, I how many people are on Cincinnati? No, it's not that popular. It's probably, ah. it's very unpopular. It's exactly probably only about, it looks like less than 1% of the people are on Cincinnati. I mean, that's my theme. I like all the unpopular things. Well, you're an unpopular person, so that would make exactly. sense. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, so you're, are you going to go with Cincinnati? Yeah, I'll do that. All right, so you're going to go with uh, Cincinnati. But that's actually like... I just want to highlight that you actually said a pretty interesting thing, which is that maybe a fourth sort of feature might be how overrated a team is by the market as as something that you might decide to stay away from. So like let's say they're very popular, which uh, Buffalo is, and they are overrated by the market, maybe that is a good one to stay off of because there is almost this like high potential for an upset that knocks out a ton of people. Exactly. 
By the way, before we end this, I, I have an aside. I was going through and trying before this is before the Dolphins Bucks game was canceled. I put in my weather forecasts because I have a little model that cranks out uh, totals, and you know my total for the Miami uh, Tampa Bay game pre weather was forty four point five. So I decided to like play with it and go with uh, like put the wind speed in at the forecasted ninety miles an hour to see what we got. This shows you the limits of prediction. Jeff, you want to guess what that number the total came out to in my model? Uh, 13. Negative 33. Negative 33. <laughs> that sounds like, I mean, uh, that's, that's called outside the range of range that the model was developed using. That's, that's also called maybe what happens when Jay Cutler comes back from an injury to quarterback, a, a team that he just, uh, just learned all the wide receivers names of. He probably doesn't even know all the wide receivers names. All right, let's do a quick recap just so everyone can feel good about what they were doing in college. Going into this week, uh, we actually like uh, Stanford getting six at USC. We like Ohio State giving seven and a half at Oklahoma. Uh, Everyone likes picks, so that's what we're doing. Um, In terms of some NFL games that are interesting, you can check them out on MasseyPeabody.com. MasseyPeabody.com. Massey, M-A-S-S-E-Y-Peabody, P-E-A-B-O-D-Y.com. And, and um, wait, but we just don't confuse the Massey ratings with the Massey Peabody ratings. There is another Massey guy who's been around for a long time, Ken Massey, who, uh, you know, a friend of mine texted and was like, you guys are always on Tennessee. That's great. Like, I was like, where did you see the ratings? The, aren't you the Massey ratings? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Nice. Back to recap, Jeff. Back to recap. Nice aside. So we actually like or find some value in Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl at 70 to 1. And to win the AFC North, um, there's definitely some value there. And that really is coming from the Steelers being a bit overrated by the market. Um, Rufus finds value in the Jets this week and in um, the Bears. But again, you can see all those up on Massey-Peabody.com. And then um, finally, in terms of our, our Hilton picks, um, we like the, um, let's see, the 49ers at five and a half. We like the Chargers at plus three. We like Chicago plus six and a half. We like Jacksonville plus five. And we like the Jets plus eight and a half. Um, and then finally, our survivor picks. Um, I'm going to take Buffalo, even though Rufus may have given me a new thought process in my survivor picks. And Rufus is going to take Cincinnati, a small favorite at Baltimore. Um, so. But Rufus prefaced that by saying he doesn't do any fantasy or survivor picks, and he's bad at both. No, so, I, I, I do fantasy. I just finished last last year and ninth the year before. Yeah. So thanks for uh, listening. Again, we're brought to you by the Sports Action uh, app, which is available on the iTunes Store. It's free. It's the best way for you to track your bets um, each week. And uh, hopefully all of you guys will go download it, and you can actually track your Hilton contest picks too. So that's pretty cool. Thanks uh, for me from Southern California and Rufus from Croatia. See you next week.